Kingdom Ministries podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Our podcast is listener supported and we welcome your donations. Kingdom Ministries equips and empowers you to continue Jesus's ministry of the kingdom of God through resources like this podcast, as well as in-person training and online articles. To get started, visit us at kingdomtools.org. What is going to guide you amidst the storm of life, the storm of your emotion? And so that's why using God's Word is ultimately important and always our point of reference and always our start for whatever we're going to do. That's our compass. We learned in Prayer 101 that Jesus prayed with authority, commanding things to be as God desires them to be. In this new series, Prayer 102, Keith Martins teaches a local Fresno church the three keys to the kingdom of God and the importance of scripture as our compass to know what to do and how to do it. In part one of this new series, Keith teaches the importance of scripture for effective prayer to guide us in how we pray, as well as what we can trust God to do no matter our circumstances or feelings. We're going to start a new uh new section here tonight, um, really a, a continuation of 101. 101 was, uh, I go back and forth what to call it. It'll probably change next time, but I, it's keep, you know, all of this is ongoing and developing for me. And as I go, I can't just bring some kind of canned thing. You know what I mean? And because I think the Holy Spirit's always teaching new stuff. You know, we have new insights. And as we study the word, and that's the crazy thing, the wonderful thing about God's word and the reason I, again, want to remind you before you read God's Word, just instead of just kind of like, hey, I'm going to read it because it's a good thing to do or that's what I'm supposed to do. Remember to use what we're trying to, to uh, advocate here. That's the foundational principles, right? Using God's Word, Christ's authority, and the Holy Spirit's counsel. And again, just as a reminder, that may be something like this. Uh, you know, if you use the Scriptures, right, using God's Word, for example, Scripture says that, Spiritual truths are, uh, can only be discerned by the spiritual person, the person with the spirit. The person without the spirit can't understand these things because they're spiritual in nature. And so given that reality and given the fact that uh, it's God's word, it's truth, it has, as according to the Bible again, it is written that it has power and effect, it's useful for teaching and instruction, that, uh, you know, all the things that the Bible associates with the Word of God. So th there's something more to that book, obviously, than just the fact that it was written by people who were led along by the Holy Spirit, okay? And so there's more to it's, it. says it's living and active, okay? And then properly understood and then properly used as we see Jesus in the desert, as we've looked at that passage, we see now Jesus now is not just quoting the scriptures to be quoting, but he's using it now as a, as a weapon. And if you will, I think it's not only a perfect example of uh, how to take thoughts captive and feelings, you know, feeling like, I'm, hey, I'm starving to death here. And he centers himself, right, and which we need to do with our feelings, because if we're led by our feelings, uh, I, I like to, and the, well, this is why I have this. Okay, did you guys notice a mistake in my book? Okay. Uh, you know, I just, I, was, I made a point of this and they still messed it up. But anyway, the reason there's a compass on here, okay, and this is key. Let's say, how many, which direction does a compass point? Yeah, that's what everybody says, but not really, okay? 
It, it points to a place, a magnetic field here on the Earth that's not really north. True north is the North Pole or the North Star. Those things are constant. But um, the, uh, the, the needle on a compass always points, uh, you know, depending on where you're on the Earth, it points to the magnetic fields more towards Greenland and up there. You know, it's just like for us, it would be north and then to the right, you know, like east. Okay. And so here in California, when, if you're looking at a map and let's say I'm going to travel from here, uh, I don't know, like to, uh, let's say something small, maybe uh, a little tiny lake. Mm, let's see. What's a close lake? Milton's big. <laughs> Well, uh, how about Shaver? We'll go to Shaver. Lost yeah, Lost Lake. That's even better because it's close. It's short. It's a small distance. But let's say we set our compass and you get, you know, you go to the dollar store, you got a little compass and you just, you set it so you, with the map to go to that place. Well, if you didn't adjust for the 13 or 15, well, 15 or 16 now, 15 or 16 degrees here it, where we live, if you didn't make that adjustment, in that short distance, from here to there, and you just follow that, you'd miss it. You'd miss it. And so the point is, is that you have to orient your map, depending on where you are in the world, you have to orient your compass, you have to make the adjustment so you really have real true north. So what I'm saying is, there's a difference, and this is what is called true or geographic north and magnetic north. Okay, your compass or your feelings or what you see with your eyes generally draws us towards magnetic north, if you will. It, it's the pull, like that. the compass is pulled by magnetic force. And so our feelings are like that, or we look at our life circumstances and we're pulled that way by emotions and thoughts and past experiences that are unresolved, the filter it goes through. And we're, we're, our natural orientation, you know, is to do that. For example, like we've used the example of forgiveness or something like that, and, or someone's really wounded you. Well, you think about, well, how can I get back at that person? Or you have anger or someone hits you and you, your immediate reaction is, but you know, I don't know about you, but I do. I want to hit them back if they're going to hit me. So it, you just kind of go into that, into that mode, right? And, and that would be the magnetic north thing. Or you have feelings. And that's why when Jesus was at this critical point, the most critical being in the Garden of Gethsemane, where his feelings are, I mean, did you ever think about this? First of all, why did Jesus even have to spend the whole night praying? He is God, you know, he's the guy. And then why did he have to pray so much? And then why did he say, hey, I'm overwhelmed here to the point of death? That's what he said, I'm overwhelmed to the point of death. It's not like he's some drama queen, like a junior high kid or junior high, they go, oh, mom, I'm starving to death, I'm starving, I'm gonna die, you know? And, and really, they had a snack about two hours ago, right? Okay, he's not, this is the son of God, he is truth, and so if he says he's overwhelmed to the point of the death, it's pretty serious, and then he had that, you know, Dr. G probably could tell us what it's called, but that capillary stress bursting thing that emanated blood through his pores, you know, there's actually a name for it. And so he's, he's that stressed out, right? And so then, how about this, then he asked the disciples, hey, can you guys pray for me? You know, why would the Son of God need anybody to help him with prayer. I mean, he's got like this connection. I mean, he's, he's him. You know, he's God's son. He's got a pretty tight connection. I and the Father are one, you know. And so you think about that, and I go, oh, man, i got to step it up. But the point is there is amidst all that chaos, he says, Father, and even after asking, right, hey, I, is there another way? Because, I mean, you know, 
I'm thinking he's thinking, well, you know, with you, with God, all things are possible for those who believe. So it's possible there's another way to do this. But then he realizes, okay, well, that's not changing. I'm not getting, you know, really a response on that or a new plan. So not my will, here's the key, not my will, but your will be done, right? Or when he's in the desert, he's hungry. No, the word of God says it is written, man should not live on bread alone. But by on every word of the mouth of God, meaning, well, man doesn't need bread just alone. Even though I'm dying here, it's 40 days, my muscles are starting to be consumed, all my fat reserves are gone. I'm literally in the process of dying from starvation. But nevertheless, man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That word being, hey, son, uh, the Spirit, you know, I'm on you. The very first thing after his baptism, the Spirit leads him into the desert where he is to fast for 40 days, right? So now, amidst all these feelings of starvation, he goes, no, 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 I'm supposed to be here and I'm supposed to fast. Oh, man, one little, oh, how about that pebble there? I could just turn that in like a, a snack, you know? That'd be good, you know? And again, you think about it, there's no sin in uh, being tempted to be hungry. I mean, if it is, we're all in trouble, right? So think, have you ever thought about why is it a temptation to turn the stone into bread? I mean... Guy's starving to death. Wouldn't God want him to eat? You know? And so we think things like that, and, and you can be easy to see, but then, then you go back. Well, then, then you, you begin to rationalize. You have these feelings that match your thoughts. And you begin to think, well, God wouldn't want me to starve, and yeah, I really need that. I could die. But what's your center? What's your true north? What is going to guide you amidst the storm of life, the storm of your emotions? And so that's why using God's word is ultimately important and always our point of reference and always our start for whatever we're going to do. Whether we're going to pray, whether we're going we're to use God's word in prayer, that's our compass. And a lot of times, you know, if we're honest, I think when we pray, just at a personal level, maybe ask the Lord and step back. A lot of times we pray for things we want. We're using energy and we're praying that, that God, we're going to try to kind of like get God to cooperate with us to make our life better, right? I do it too. I mean, you know, I want my life to be better and, you know, I'd like some more income or I'd like this or that or new car. And then, you know, we've prayed and now I think we've had maybe seven cars given to us and they're good. Uh, why, do I got a problem? I can't buy a car? Well, not really. But after the first car, I thought, oh, man, that was amazing. I can't believe that. Now, Lord, how about, okay, now we need another car. So, oh, man, I can't ask again. That's ridiculous. I mean, come on, man. It's like, how am I, you know, so, well, Lord, you know, I'm willing to buy a car, whatever. So we need one. There it is. There's the need. You said if we put first the kingdom of God and, and all these things be added unto you, but you need a car. I don't need a Mercedes. You know, I don't need a, a you know, a Bentley or a Tesla or not that anything wrong with those, but I don't need one of those. It'd be cool. I mean, don't get me wrong, right? But yet, I need a car, so he's into meeting the needs. Now, you could ask for something good, but Lord, I have this need. How are you going to meet that need? Well, you might need to make your need known in the body of Christ. You can't just sit there in a vacuum like a lot of us do with our own personal freedom and healing, right? You're just kind of sitting around, oh, God, why aren't you healing me? Don't you care? It's kind of like the disciples in the boat with Jesus, and there's a big storm, and they're all scared, and they're thinking they're going to drown. They go, oh, God, and here's their prayer. Lord, don't you care if we drown? He wasn't very happy about that, by the way. Maybe because they woke him up a little grumpy. Who knows? You know? I mean, he sounded grumpy. Because it's after he calmed the storm, he said, quiet, be still. He doesn't go, okay, oh, guys, come here. I know you're scared. 
even though, you know, you've pretty much been raised on this thing. You've been out here a lot of times. And, and you know, and, and you're men. You're grown men, for God's sake. Now, why don't we have a group hug here? You know, you, you don't see that. Here's what you get. You know, they're terrified. The Bible says they're terrified and fearing for their lives. And Jesus stands and says, uh, it, you know, and again, here's that rebuke thing I've talked about, you know. It says he rebuked the wind and the waves. And the, but it, it's not in red. He didn't say, I rebuked the wind and the waves. Mark says, the book of Mark says, he rebuked the wind and the waves by saying, be quiet, be still. Okay. So after he did that, then he goes to the disciples and goes, hey, what's wrong with you guys? How long am I going to put up with you? Where's your faith? Right? You know, just try to say that as nice as you can to someone. It just, I don't know. It just <laughs> seems like, yeah, it's a little harsh, you know, especially after you're terrified. Oh, here, let, 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 let the Holy Spirit comfort you. Come here. No. What's wrong with you? Where's your faith? And so the point is, is that when we begin to have these, fa- you know, these feelings in a storm, and, and you can look at Paul. I mean, that was a crazy storm in Acts 27, 28. That's the one that you try to stop, but it doesn't stop. And then you start going, okay, God, where are you in this? And guess what happens? In both of the storm cases, the first storm that Jesus stopped with the disciples, the first thing out of his mouth in red was, let us go to the other side of the lake. So if you hear that clearly from God, right, isn't that the same as God's word? I and the Father are one. I do nothing what my father, but what my Father says. I never say anything except what my Father says, right? So you can count on that. You can take that to the bank, just like when you... Cash a check. A cash is called a promissory note. In other words, you're hoping when you go to the bank to make a claim, whenever two or more come together in the Greek, it says literally to make a claim on something they ask. And you know what a claim is when you cash a check. Uh, that, you know, not from me, of course, but from somebody else that actually had, you know, I mean, no, I'm just kidding. But it, you're, it's a promissory note. I'm promising you X amount of dollars that I've written on here. And when you, we usually don't think about it. We go to the bank and we make a claim. And so we take God's word and we say, well, here's God's word. This is how it is. It doesn't look like this now. It certainly doesn't feel like this right now. I see no hope in this. And my feelings, are, are, I'm distraught. Jesus, What? To the point of death, overwhelmed. Was, and the disciples fell asleep, it says, because they were overwhelmed by sorrow. They were bummed out, depressed. Like this, this whole thing, all our hopes, it's this whole thing's going down the tube. This is not looking good. See, and then Jesus says what? Okay, Father, can this pass? Not my will, but your will be done. Or the Apostle Paul, he gets the thorn. Does he go, oh, hey, Kesarah, it's all good. You know, God's in control. He loves me, whatever. So thank you, Lord, for this. I'm going to try to have good. Maybe he's teaching me patience or something. No, no, no. He tests it three times with the Lord, see? He knows what it is and what purpose it's serving. What it is, where it's from, and what purpose it's serving. Thank you for listening to the Kingdom Ministries podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode in Prayer 102. Did you know we have an app? You can access all of our resources and even listen to this podcast all in one place. To download, please visit us at kingdomtools.org.